Proactive Athletes is the premier place that empowers student athletes to overcome the challenges of college sports recruitment. Their unparalleled expertise and influential network will guide you towards realizing your fullest potential. At Proactive Athletes, they understand that each student athlete is unique, facing their own set of obstacles. That's why their dedicated team takes the time to comprehend your individual needs, providing a comprehensive hands-on approach tailored to your success. With their personalized attention and unwavering support, they ensure your satisfaction every step of the way. Through their vast network, they have successfully connected with over 2.3 million coaches, giving your child's profile the exposure it deserves. In fact, their student-athletes' profiles have been viewed by an astounding 716,000 coaches, solidifying their reputation as the go-to platform for recruitment. What sets them apart is their data-driven approach, allowing them to make informed decisions that result in better outcomes for their student-athletes. By harnessing the power of data, they maximize your child's chances of success as they embark on the next chapter of their athletic journey. Join the ranks of proactive athletes and unlock your true potential. Let them amplify your talent, connect you with coaches that want you but may not have known about you, and pave the way for your future success. Together, they will defy the odds and ensure that your dreams become a reality. Don't wait any longer. Get proactive in your child's recruitment process today by visiting proactiveathletes.com. And make sure you use Shark Effect 10 for 10% off. Is that all the things that we think are going to make us happy, all the shiny objects, the house, the car, how we, what we look like, if, is our partner attractive, uh, all of those things which are nice, they actually don't move the needle on our well-being. What moves the needle, according to science, according to my life, um, are things like acts of kindness, acts of service, sleep, exercise, time affluence, which is having the time to actually do what you want to do. Um, social connection. So even though, even on a screen, I feel lit up right now. I feel like a million bucks. I'm not making a penny here, but I'm genuinely, genuinely connecting with someone socially and an awesome person, no less. Welcome to the Shark Effect. I'm your host, Alex Molden. I'm a former NFL veteran, and now I'm a leadership and personal development speaker and coach. In this podcast, you will hear inspirational and humorous stories from leaders of all walks of life, from current and former professional athletes, coaches, authors, experts, executives, and successful business owners. Discover how these leaders not only overcame obstacles, but also learned core principles that led to their success when leading others. All right, so my guest today, I am super excited to have this conversation, and I know you, all my listeners, is, is going to get a, a bonus um, from, from hearing my next guest, and her name is Kate Ekman. She's a leadership development and performance coach. Uh, she's a speaker. She's an author. She does a lot of different things, um, and, you know, she empowers leaders for every stage of the game. The really cool thing about her, there's a couple of cool things, but one, she is a former athlete. And, you know, I have a heart for former athletes because um, for, for many of us, we're lost when, we're, when we finish playing our sport. And um, Kate Ekman was an elite swimmer. 
and she did it at Penn State. And she's, uh, she did a multiple number of things. I'm not going to go into detail because I'm not going to steal her thunder. Kate, <laughs> welcome to the Shark Effect. Alex, thank you so much for having me. It's my joy to be here. Yeah, so Kate, tell my listeners a little bit about you and, and, and what you're doing now. Yeah, so I, I wear a few hats, which I think is a great message, and I, I want to just put that out there for everyone. Don't ever let anyone put you in a box. We're multidimensional, multifaceted beings, so I think it's great to have many interests and do many things. But yes, I, I, I've been a, a journalist and writer my entire life. I was in the TV news business. I was an entertainment reporter, did the whole QVC HSN thing, um, selling beauty products all over the world on television. and. Um, got to interview a lot of prominent newsmakers like President Barack Obama and Angelina Jolie. And, you know, so I always love to tell stories and, and, and meet a lot of people. And so a natural progression was writing a book because I'd written articles for several publications for years and, you know, wanted to do that and also then speak about it. And I do a lot of keynote speech, uh, speaking for a lot of different organizations and, and teams. And I'm also, I, I work as a coach and consultant and really help people actualize their full potential and went through the training so that I could use whole person coaching techniques and the neuroscience and positive psychology in my practice. And I think it's really important that there, there's so many coaches out there right now, or people calling themselves coaches. And, and I think it's really important to, get the proper training and, and credentials uh, to do the kind of coaching that I do. And um, also really work on yourself because you are the instrument. It's, it's like being an athlete. You work on your body because your, your body is, is the commodity. Your body um, is your job. And so I think it's important to really train our, our mental and emotional and spiritual muscles, just like as athletes, we train our physical muscles to compete. Love that. So there's a couple things. I, I, I'm not going to let you just gloss through that, that you interviewed President Barack Obama and Angelina Jolie. Number one, how was that? And what was, I think, the most impactful question or maybe the answer that our former president had? Yeah, I... I um... Oh, I just, I just adore him. And I was a journalism student. I was getting my master's degree at Northwestern, which of course is in Chicago. And he was an Illinois Senator at the time. And so I was at an event and he was there and I, I didn't know too much about him. I obviously knew of him and, and knew that he was a Senator, a U.S. Senator. Um, <laughs> but I remember for one thing, one thing I remember is that he was like two inches from my face. He's just right up in there. And of course you, his, his, his voice is, is very distinctive. But I remember after the interview calling my mom and saying, I just interviewed the most brilliant person I have ever met in my life. And I can't tell you what he said, but he just, he's captivating and charming and, and, and just smart he's a smart guy and i really value intelligence so i remember that and then as the universe would have it president's day 2020 literally two weeks before lockdown i was visiting friends in rancho mirage california you know right outside of palm springs and i was at the gym at this little kind of country club community working out with president obama and the secret service on President's Day, which is just a highlight. I mean, how cool we were lifting weights two steps from each other. It's just, I love stuff like that. So he is, he is just a phenomenal human. I appreciated the way he was treating people and also kind of minding his own business. And um, what, what a cool dude. 
Right? Did you see how much, I mean, was he bench pressing? How much he bench? <laughs> I wasn't bench pressing. When I walked in, he was on the elliptical and he had, oh, about, I don't know, maybe 30 pound dumbbells. But he was also joking 30 with pounds. His, um, his secret service guys who was really getting after it. I was sharing the TRX with him and he was making noises. <laughs> and President Obama said, you know, you can't be doing that in here, you know, and um, giving him a hard time. But <laughs> it's just <laughs> what an experience to, to roll up to the gym and a little community gym. And it's just secret service everywhere. Um, so that and then he was the president funny. at the time. So you just see that how much that presence continues after they're out of office. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Oh, man. But tell me, like, so what was your journey like once you finished um, college and you finished being a student athlete? How did that how did that look? How did you start to kind of uh, navigate what that looked like after school? I, you know, I think swimming gave me, I don't think I know, so much discipline and dedication and such a strong work ethic and, and swimming, well, all sports, but swimming for me really gave me goals. It was just goal after goal after goal in terms of beating your best times and, and competing and winning state and national championships and, and really just improving as a human and being a great teammate. And so goals have always been easy for me. I've always been an ambitious person. And, and after my swimming career ended, I wanted to go out to Hollywood and work in the entertainment business. I have such a passion for film and television. So went out there, had a few jobs and, and shortly into that got into interviewing celebrities on the red carpet and it was a great experience but ultimately I, I left LA and and all the celebrities and I went back to school at Northwestern and went from the LA to Chicago climate change nearly killed me going from that beautiful weather to I mean I'm from Ohio so I know cold I went to Penn State I've been through winters Ohio and Pennsylvania are, are tropical compared to Chicago winters and oh, that holy. lake effect. And so that was that was a transition. But going from celebrities to covering the court system in Chicago, and I spent a lot of time at Cook County Juvenile Court interviewing judges and really doing social justice issues to help improve conditions for troubled use. And I found that so much more rewarding than all the celebrity gossip. Mm, wow. And then from there, you got into um, speaking or or coaching. How did that How did that go about? Yeah, so I had a, a TV news career as a um, news anchor and reporter all over the country for years, and it was a rewarding experience. It's a thankless job. I think it looks glamorous to people who don't do it, but. Being on TV is is just an afterthought of your day, quite frankly. You spend all your time, you know, either pitching the story, going after the story, covering covering breaking news, you know, writing stories and and the and the the Florida heat, for instance, in the back of a live truck and and 20 minutes on a napkin. If you you know, it just People That's don't not see sexy. any of that. That don't, that don't sound sexy. It, it's not. And and I getting paid thirty thousand a year to work, you know, twelve to fourteen hour days every day, and sometimes as a one man band. I mean, you go through a lot. So I meet people now who are like, I want to do TV, and I'm like, all right, then go be a local news reporter and market one hundred, and be a one man band for thirty k a year, and then then I'll see how much you really want to do television and so but i just i love storytelling i love being a journalist and writing and and covering stories so i did that for several years and transitioned out of that when we had the whole economic crisis and fallout and um what was that 2008 2009 
and I, I ended up leaving the business and, and moving to Africa briefly with my boyfriend at the time who was an, a wildlife biologist. So I worked as a journalist there. I wrote for Travel Africa magazine and brought, brought a lot of awareness to the deplorable conditions there. I was in Zimbabwe and, and the horrible uh, poaching and, and, and what was happening to the wildlife there under Robert Mugabe's rule. And it, it, was just, it was just sad to see what was happening to such a beautiful country, but brought a lot of awareness to that. And you know, then after that, I, I ended up moving to New York City for a, a TV job that fell through right after my arrival. So I had to be quick, use my reporting skills to, to get into other lines of work and, and worked as, fell into a, a career as a model, which I never wanted or <laughs> you know, really thought about doing, especially at that time in my life. But um, it was great to, to really promote body positivity and, and beauty in all shapes and sizes and be a part of a movement into um, models being able to be larger than a size zero. And, and that was also when we started seeing a lot of different skin tones in the mainstream fashion industry. So that was actually an exciting thing to be a part of. And um, my transition into coaching actually happened out of tragedy. I was having, you know, my cush on camera career, worked very hard, you know, living the life, and I lost two loved ones to suicide in one year, and it completely changed the trajectory of my life. And so I did go back to school and study neuroscience and positive psychology and these whole person coaching techniques and really wanted to come up with the keys for a better way of living because it wasn't just me, I looked around me and saw how much people were struggling, especially people who appeared to have it all together, like my ex-boyfriend, like a best friend, um, like a lot of celebrities who were taking their own lives or, and still do take their own lives. It's, it's an epidemic in our culture, sadly, that most people don't wanna talk about. So um, while it's hard, I, I, I'm honored to do this work and help erase the stigma and get people to speak about their real feelings and talk about what's really going on and um, to really care for their mental health. Mm. And, and what are some things that you like studying that the, the neuropsychology or neuroscience, what are some things that you can kind of give my listeners to, to really get them, you know, cause I talk about alignment, assignment and adjustment. And what are some things that you've learned with either coaching or, or, you know, going to school, of course, but, what are some things that you've learned that you can be able to help us out that, you know, we don't start going down that path of, you know, thinking about taking our own lives or just, the, you know, the sadness that that can come if you're if you're not following your purpose? Yeah, I think a huge takeaway that I learned in all of my research is that, and certainly my own life has indicated this as well, is that all of the things that we think are going to make us happy, all the shiny objects, the house, the car, how we, what we look like, if, is our partner attractive, uh, all of those things which are nice, they actually don't move the needle on our well-being. What moves the needle, according to science, according to my life, um, are things like acts of kindness, acts of service, sleep, exercise time affluence, which is having the time to actually do what you want to do. Um, social connection. So even though, even on a screen, I feel lit up right now. I feel like a million bucks. I'm not making a penny here, but I'm genuinely, genuinely connecting with someone socially and an awesome person, no less. So thank you. It's things like that, that actually move the needle, but yet we spend so little time doing most of those things. So, so many of us are sleep deprived. We aren't exercising adequately. We aren't taking the time to do acts of kindness or service. We aren't, 
giving ourselves the time to do what we want to do or connecting socially. We're, we're stressed out on social media, worrying about the likes and the followers. We're obsessed with the business and making money, which is important and great, but we're just, we're not spending enough time on the things that really matter is what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, we get with, especially now with, with COVID and things are still kind of locked down, at least for us up out here in, in, on the West Coast, you know, we start to look on media and social media, and we start to kind of start to live out those things that other people might be doing, um, you know, to taking the vacations and so on to make them, you know, doing some phenomenal things. And they start to look at their lives and it's like, well, I'm not, I'm not moving the needle at all. Or, or I hear that, you know, people start to, you know, on the grind, right? They're always working. They're never sleeping. And they try to uh, glamorize that. And it sounds like you're saying that, no, that's the exact opposite that you should be doing. Right? Yeah, I mean, you should how's be that working out for you? Yeah, right? So um, I think that's good that, you know, we get the other side, the flip side of that if you're going to grind and you know, never sleep and you just always work and never exercise and not making that connection with other people, how damaging that can be. Um, okay, tell me a little about leadership. What is leadership? Because this, you know, it's such a broad topic. Um, and, you know, from me talking with people, speaking with people, not everybody understands what it is. What is it for you, Kate? How do you um, summarize it? I think leadership and I think a, a, a leader is someone who cares about other people <laughs> or as I like to say, a leader is the person who cares the most. And again, that's counterintuitive. I feel like all the concepts I'm talking about are sadly pretty counterintuitive. That's why it is a practice to get into this way of thinking rather than the thinking of the world, which quite frankly is, is sick, especially now. I mean, take a look around, look at the news, look at the things that are happening. Do you really want to be plugged into that way of thinking. We have to un consciously unsubscribe from that, deliberately, intentionally unsubscribe from that, and really plug into a different kind of thought process. And leadership is, is having you know, a cause greater than ourselves, and whether that's the organization or the team uh, or whatever, whether it's social justice or um, anti-racism, whatever it is. And then not just talking about it, I think a lot of people now are paying lip service to some of these concepts but it's really putting in the practice. It's taking the action steps consistently day in and day out when no one's looking, when it's hard, when you don't really feel like it, but that's what keeps you going on any of these passion projects or any of these important causes is having a really strong why and when it's really important to you. And, and even with me doing this work and writing this book, my why is my two friends that I lost to suicide. So the days it was tough, I'm tired, I don't wanna do it, who cares? Like no one's even paying attention. I do it for them. And, and for anyone who's struggling with mental health, which turns out is everyone. That's been a huge takeaway for me these past two years. Everyone struggles with mental health in some way. And I think the sooner that we can embrace that and get real and then learn these, these practices and exercises and techniques and strategies for, for managing it all, the better. And, and being better friends and family members and, and being better friends and family members to ourselves um, first and foremost. But yeah, I, I mean, it's so simple and it sounds really cute and sweet, but it's the truth. It's a leader, someone who cares. And I'm, I'm about to sign a contract with a new organization 
And the number one reason I'm signing on with this organization, besides the fact that I love the work that they're doing in the world, is that the CEO is one of the most incredible people I've ever met. He's a quality, solid, caring, giving human, despite all his money and success and all the things. And he's a true leader because he cares. Yeah, he's smart and great, been to all the schools, has done all the things, awesome. But he genuinely cares about people. That's a leader. Mm, I love that. And, and so from that, like I hear character. Character is, is, is big for you, am I right? Like a hundred percent. That I mean, yeah, it sounds like that. Like character is so is is such a huge part of leadership. And I don't know about you, but I know when I was younger, I didn't care about character. I cared about what you can do for me. Could you elevate me? Can you make me look good? Can you know? That's what I cared about. Where now, as you know, I'm older. I have children, and you know, I care about character. I care about relationships. You know, one of the reasons, like me and you're talking right now, because you know, a close friend of mine, good friend of mine, told me said you need to have Kate on your podcast, and so I reached out to you, and you know, we started to talk off air and just like, kind of learning about you and like what what you're all about. Number one, I hear about you, you help people become better people. You have to you give them confidence. And speaking on that, how do you how do you kind of give people, I know you coach on it, but how, can you give us some tips? Like, how do I become more confident at being a podcaster or being a speaker? Mm, I love that question. And if, if I was your, your coach right now, I think the way that I can make you, help you become more confident, I don't want to say make you, help you become more confident is by listening. This was one of my biggest takeaways from my training, being a coach is, you know, and I, listen, I was a, a journalist, a TV person, TV personality and presenter most of my career. So my value was in talking, right? I'm paid to talk, literally, it's my job. What I learned from coaching is that my true value, all of our value really comes from listening. And there's a great acronym called WAIT, which is why am I talking? And I think so much we're so desperate to be seen and heard by people because people who love us or even claim to love us aren't really even able to see or hear us. And so when, as a coach, instead of me, because that's what coaching is. Coaching is not me giving advice. In fact, it's it's actually unethical for me to give you advice and unless we've been working together a long time. And then I ask permission. May I share with you what's coming up for me? And you can say yes or no, but that's advising, that's consulting. Coaching, I'm listening to you. And so to be more confident, I think we just have to be willing, as I say, to not be great at something first or ever. That's me in dance class. Never gonna be great in dance class, but I actually gain confidence going to dance class because I'm willing to suck in front of people, in front of people who know what they're doing. And so I boost confidence because it's not about delivering this perfect performance or impressing people. It's just about being present. And, and presence is one of my five Ps of confidence, showing up like you mean it, being fully present in the moment, not you know future tripping or worrying about the past. I think we become more confident when we're patient. Um, you know, there's a, a great story to illustrate that, that was at the 2001 Grammys when country artist Shelby Lynn won Best New Artist. And she was a little snarky in her acceptance speech when she said, Best New Artist, it only took me 13 years and six albums to get here. 
Best New Artist. Wow. Who wants Best New Artist on, on, on that many years and albums? And so it just illustrates this point of, of trusting the process. Confidence actually stems from the words to trust, to do something with trust. I think when we have a strong purpose, uh, we become more confident. That's, again, the why. So we, we have something greater than ourselves to live for. When we're prepared, as you know, as an athlete, you're more confident. So that's why the poet Amanda Gorman stole the show at the inauguration in the midst of J-Lo and Lady Gaga and the president and vice president. She was so prepared despite being so young and her first time on that huge platform because she just embodied the words. When she spoke, we believed her. That's why people were going bananas for her. She was so authentic. And then also practice. That's another P is, is putting in the work. You know, as an athlete, football player, I, I think of Tom Brady, I think because we're we are Beth, both Big Ten athletes at the same time, and this man is still winning Super Bowls, and you know my knees hurt when I go to Pilates, so I bow down to you, Tom Brady. But it's because Tom practices harder than anyone, not because he's the worst, but because he's the best. I think quickly two other things to boost confidence are, it's my, my you see my, my P's here, the P theme, um, mm -hmm. pause. When you take a pause before you respond to the upsetting text or email, you take a pause before you tell the jerk they're really being a jerk and you possibly damage the relationship forever. And I think you just take a pause in between all the Zooms and all the things with the kids and just that moment to check in with yourself and reflect. And finally, as my speaking coach Eduardo says, just be a person. <laughs> you know, I think a lot of us struggle with perfectionism and, and wanting to deliver this perfect performance, which there is no such thing. Just be a freaking person. That, that is so relatable and lovable, and, and it really shows and, and flexes your humanity. I love that. And, and it makes you more relatable. I used to think that I had to be perfect when I started speaking, when I started my podcast. I thought that everything had to be perfect. And when I finally got feedback from a very close friend of mine, and he said, Alex, do we, no, we're not going to take another take of this. It's important that we use those so-called failures. We use that, and we can repurpose that or repackage that to get even closer to our listeners. And when I looked at that, and I was like, you know, me understanding leadership, and I understand how failure, when you take it and you own it, it's an influencer. And that's what leadership is, it's, it's influence. And so if I don't come off as perfect, that makes me more relatable. When I'm more relatable, more people will, tend, will, will trust me. They will know, like, and they will trust me. And it, it took me a long, long time to figure that out. And I don't know if it was, you know, for me, you know, being in that, that sports world for so long that everything we had to be perfect because if we don't, you know, we're going to lose a game. And I don't know if it's just, it, you know, back then it's just trying to be as, as close to perfect as possible. And it's, it's, it's unattainable. And it, but it makes me more relatable. It makes us more relatable when I can just be me, you know? Mm, that's so beautiful. What I was thinking when you were talking is I just even doing live TV sales where there's so much stress and pressure and you have to hit the numbers and it's just these in, incredibly insane expectations that you know as, as a pro athlete. But I, I had to develop a strategy for myself because it can get into your head and you can feel like a failure and it's it's that 
that mindset that we all struggle with of I'm not good enough. And even the people are like, oh, I don't deal with that. Underneath everything, like the people who are flexing and all, I'm like, oh, you're just insecure. Like if you need to wear like head to toe Chanel, that's great. But that's also more of, I don't see a wealthy, secure person when I see that. I see someone who is perhaps lacking in self-worth, quite frankly, and that, that they have to wear all that to feel good enough. Um, mm. Yeah, the clothes are lovely, but anyway, you know what I'm talking about and the, the real housewife culture and, and things like that, and then people still aren't happy. So I think I would ask myself, you know, did you do your best? Did you have fun? And if I could answer yes to those questions, then I'm a success. And so I think it is a matter of redefining what is perfect, what is success? Are people like, I just wanna look and feel beautiful. How do you define beauty? What does it look like? What does it feel like? And so success, what does success look like to you? What does it feel like? And I think when we start there and clearly define something, then we have the best chance of, of attaining it. I love that. You said that's very important is defining it, defining what success is. My success might be different than your success, right? That's why I was like, like my definition of leadership might be different than yours or somebody else's. So I think it's, it's really important that we define what those things are, right? And you was talking about like, you know, uh, you know, trying to compare yourselves to others. Hell, I did it when I was in the NFL. I tried to compare like how I played with other guys who played the same position. I even did it and it was like, it's the culture, or at least it was back then. It's like, you is keeping up with the Joneses, right? My teammates come, with some jewelry, well, I gotta get the same kind of jewelry or better or more expensive. If they come out with the Hummer or the new, you know, Mercedes, I gotta get, I, I, I gotta step my game up. And I look at that and I was like, I was so, even though, you know, playing playing football, playing at a at a high level, it's like, wow, talking about insecure. I was insecure. I was very insecure trying to keep up with the Joneses. And, you know, I took that information and, I, you know, I kept it and I but I shared it with with my with my kids and whatnot. And I just happen to have one that's playing in the league now. And he is he. Oh, my goodness. I'm so proud of him. He, he, he has a basic car. I think it's a Ford something. It's a, I think it's electric or, you know, one of those energy saver cars. <laughs> but he don't he doesn't come with the earrings and the jewelry. He, nothing. He, t he, t he texts me, Dad, this guy's got $10,000 suits <laughs> on, the, on the plane, and it's just for the plane, the plane ride. Wow. It's, but it's somebody who understands who he is and what he wants out of life. And I want to talk to you about, like, how do, how do we ask, how do we get that why? Like, you had it, like you said, when you, those, your, your two close friends um, took their lives. You know, I know I had it when I was down in the dumps, like like the literally the the bottom. When somebody told me, who I just met, but they told me in an interview, I didn't know who I was. That has started me on my journey to finding my why. I know what my purpose is now. I want to help people that were like me, right? Just like you want to help people, like you know, to get out of that 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 funk of thinking that they're not worthy. And so how do we, what questions do we ask to find our why or our purpose? 
Yeah, I think a lot of people find it, unfortunately, through tragedy, like I certainly did. I mean, I had whys in terms of why I did storytelling. I always, I, I knew that I, I grew up in a place of privilege and I wanted to be able to give a platform to people on, whether it's on the news or in anything I was doing to let other people share their stories publicly and be able to ask the questions that would really allow them to open up and, and share um, and topics that needed to be spoken about. And that's why I experienced so much more fulfillment going from who are you dating and what are you wearing in Hollywood to, you know, getting to the bottom of and helping to solve the crisis of children graduating from high school and being illiterate and asking all the questions to these judges and to the policymakers why why are you passing these kids they can't read and so that was my why because i think it's important that that children have an education and that you're a human in the united states of america and you can't read or people that are in the United States of America are starving to death. So for me, it was always, I've always been into social justice. I'm a, I'm a wannabe attorney in terms of bringing into um, creation new laws that really bring about equality and, and justice and freedom for everybody. I know it's like the hugest task ever. And so it does, it can become overwhelming, but you find your why by asking yourself, what's important to me right now? And why is it important to me? Um, what energizes you? What are you passionate about? When you go to a party, you know, I hate that question, what do you do? I find it so lazy and boring. Um, but if someone says, what energizes you? I mean, you even hear me talk right now, what energizes me is, is helping work on projects that give people um, a voice, working on things that make people feel uh, better on the inside that that really help their mental health and well-being and, and why is that important to me because I've seen what happens when people don't care for their mental health and I've certainly after those suicides was in a very dark place myself as you can imagine and so wanting to come up with the tools for a better way of living and, and share it with the world because I know how much people are struggling but I also think we don't need to put so much stress and pressure on ourselves in terms of what's my passion, what's my purpose, why am I here? I think just again the little baby steps and the, the every day of, you know, when do I get excited? Um, when do I feel energy? Who am I around? W what am I doing? What are we talking about? So like these conversations energize me. If right now you're like, so what do you do? I'd be like, I gotta go. I, you know, I think someone's calling me. Some kids I don't have need something. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's something. Uh, okay, so Kate, tell me, tell us about your book, The Full Spirit Workout. Tell us about that. Yeah, so this is really a workout for our mental, emotional, and spiritual muscles so that we can get fit and strong and confident and resilient on the inside. And, and just like we go to the gym and exercise our physical muscles to combat gravity, uh, we have to exercise our inner muscles to combat against emotional gravity, like fear, doubt, insecurity, anxiety, depression, judgment, comparison, anything that weighs us down. And because we are human, none of us are immune to this. Just like there's no human who can skip physical activity and be fit and healthy. It's just, it's part of the human experience. And so I really wanna help make mental, emotional, spiritual fitness uh, become mainstream so that people exercise these muscles as much as hopefully they're exercising their physical muscles or, or at least getting that that movement in to stay fit and strong 
and healthy because let's face it, the, the chaos and uncertainty and impure sickness of the world isn't going anywhere. So it really is up to us to decide who we wanna be, decide what we really want and, and put these strategies into practice. And so just these little daily exercises that you can do, even if it's five minutes a day, it is like that physical exercise. It has that cumulative effect, but we can't just show up at the gym in our cute outfits and expect to be fit. We have to put in the reps our personal trainer can't do our sit-ups and push-ups push ups for us. So we really have to put in the work, um, but then the results are worth it. And then you you become the person that naturally attracts the money, the, the success, however you define it, the, the relationships, the opportunities and experiences. All these podcast interviews I've done are the perfect example of that. I haven't had to try. I've just attracted these incredible people like yourself into my life where we work together and we have these conversations that really help people hopefully start thinking differently about themselves and their lives. Mm, I love that. What are some, just a couple of tips, Kate, that you can help my, my listeners become high achievers? And I, I, so yeah. how I define high achievers, just like what are those high goals that you want for your life? And then what type of mentality and what actions, actionable steps do you take every day to get there? You got a couple of tips for us? Something that immediately came to mind, which again sounds counterintuitive, but it's a, a practice I developed in the very beginning of lockdown is what I call my sit and stare practice. And people are familiar with meditation. This is a, a little bit different. Um, because you're, you can keep your eyes open, stare out the window, stare straight ahead. And I, I want you to check in with yourself like you would a small child and ask, how are you doing? What do you need right now? What's working? What isn't? How can I support you? Who can support you? And you're gonna be in a room by yourself, all your phones, devices, everything is turned off. You are sitting in silence. You are by yourself. I know this is scary and uncomfortable, and like I said, very counterintuitive for people in this, this culture of overstimulation and all the devices and all the noise. But when you are in this quiet space and asking yourselves and, and taking the time to ask yourself these questions, you will start to hear, you might call it God, spirit, universe, divine wisdom, whatever you wanna call it. You will start to listen to that voice and that truth rather than the ego mind that says, why bother? You said that dumb thing in a meeting. Why aren't you cute enough? Why'd you do that dumb thing? I'm not talking about that voice. I'm talking about the voice that says, I think you need to leave this job and I'm gonna mm -hmm. give you another opportunity. That's something I'll you know, hear from God or why don't you reach out to Alex and talk about a collaboration? You know you can't eat that, it makes you really sick. So how about another choice instead? Things like that, um, I, you know, I you get it. titles for articles, you'll get, you get the inspiration and, and what you're doing is you're becoming more practiced at listening to that voice, the truth, but also listening to your spirit and what you really want. And that takes you on a completely different path than the ego mind who says you need the $10,000 suit and the chain and nothing's wrong with those things. I love nice things as much as the next person. I will never pretend I do not. And but our, this is about our lives becoming deeper and richer and becoming the people who can actually achieve our cherished goals. Oh, I love that. That is so cool. Kate, how can my listeners get more of you? Give me your website. Give us the social deets. You have any, any um, like giveaways or how can, how can people get more of Kate Ekman? 
Sure, you can go to kateekman.tv, K-A-T-E-E-C-K-M-A-N.tv, or you can head over to thefullspiritworkout.com. I do give away the first chapter of my book, Stretch Your Comfort Zone, so you can check that out and download it. Also, all of the meditations for my book are recorded on my website. They are free to listen to, so you can take yourself on that journey of self-discovery and, and really start doing this inner work Again, we're having fun. Fun and fulfilling is in the subtitle, so we are having fun with this. It's great to have an accountability partner, someone to do this work with, so I recommend that. And I'm just Kate Ekman on all the socials. Would love to connect with you there. I think it's great to build a community where we can just build each other up and really be doing the work together and, and help be a part of the, the betterment of our society. I love that. And then, Kate, on your website, if somebody wanted to... to um you know, you have any like uh, courses? Because you know, if, if people want to get coached by you, or if they, if you have any courses, they can find out on your website as well. Yep, the courses are there, and info on how to work together or to do events, and all of those things are there. So, would love to connect with you there. All right, beautiful, and 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 also for some of my people who are in corporation, if they need a speaker, they can also go to your website. Am I correct? Absolutely. Yes, I do keynotes and work with teams and organizations and events. And it's it's always great. I can send you my speaker reel. We can talk about your specific needs and and tailor it to that, what people are really needing right now. But I think everyone could use a little confidence boost. Everyone could use the little mental health vacation and, and fine-tuning check-in with themselves. Kate, I'm going to tell you, I'll, I should have texted you yesterday. I should have texted you yesterday. I had a I don't know, it was a bad day. It was just like Aww. things weren't working. Like my car, my son's car, it was, it stopped in the middle of the road. <laughs> I had to come get him. We had to get the tow truck. I take it to, to, the, uh, to the place, to the mechanic. He's telling me some bad news. Aww. It was just, uh, it was woe, woe is me type of day yesterday. But that was, you know, I can control. I can control my, my thoughts, right? I can, hopefully I can control like how I respond to it, but it's good to have people in our lives that, that um, can tell you, can basically just flip a, a mirror and, put it, and show it to your face. And like, you know, Alex, you say that you want to be this type of person, but how you're acting right now is not showing that. You know, <laughs> we but need to have people like that in our lives. Yeah. You were having a human yeah. moment. And so, you know, I offer you grace and compassion. I like that. human moment. And, and also I'd said something around the house happened too. And you think, why, why did I do that? Or, you know, or I broke this thing or the whatever. It's, it's part of, as, as my mom, it's part of being a homeowner. It's part of being a, a car owner. It's part of just being a human. These things happen. And I think if we can meet ourselves with that grace and compassion, have a laugh. It, it can be downright absurd to be human at times, but yeah, reach, please reach out anytime. Have that person you can reach out to who will listen, then you can laugh about it and, and then get to perhaps a, an action strategy or something. But first we just need to, to get it out and, and be heard and be seen and acknowledged. And, and then you can move past it. But I think, you know, we judge ourselves so much. We get so mad when other people judge us, but we are in self-judgment so much of the time. 
So I think calling ourselves out like, whoa, I am really judging myself right now. Okay. And just, you know, being okay with it, but then moving past that. And then I think letting yourself off the hook and like, wow, I had a kind of a challenging day. You know, I'm going to take a bubble bath or I'm going to go for a walk or I'm going to watch my favorite show or I'm going to call Kate and just laugh about how absurd it all is. And then release it. I, I think one of the, the the worst things that we can say to someone is, oh, just let it go. I think that's so dismissive and almost abusive. Mm. And so I, I never tell anybody that I, or if I say anything or what I do myself, I say, I'm, I'm giving it up. I'm giving it up to you, God. I, I am not enlightened enough to not judge myself or this situation right now. Please take this from me. But I think it's good. To, I'm glad you brought this up because I'm feeling very called to, to say to whomever is listening, let's please stop saying, let it go to people and, and just love it coming up with a little or letting people just um, be where they are. And then, you know, that will inspire them to move past it. I think quicker than I always think when people say, let it go. I'm like, well, I'd love to, <laughs> what do you suggest I do? Can I just be mad for a minute <laughs> you know, so I can move past it? <laughs> love it. Yeah. We're not robots, right? We're not robots. You know, we have feelings. So sometimes you got to be able to look at it, look at their feeling and dissect it, where'd it come from? And then, you know, when you can own it and like breathe a little bit, it, a little bit, now then we can move past it. But just letting it go, I'm, I'm right there with you. I think something right too, you. and then I'll, I'll let this go because we could talk forever, but something my coach says to me often that has been so liberating, and I'd love everyone to try this on for size. For instance, if I talk to her and I'm upset, I'll say, gosh, I'm so mad. And she says, you get to be. So yesterday, if you would have called me and said, this happened, this happened, and it's going to cost this much money, it's such an inconvenience, I'm so pissed, Kate. I would say, yeah, you get to be. And as soon as that is said to me, I'm kind of over it. I'm like, oh, okay, I get to be upset. Well, now I'm not upset because I got to be upset and now I'm moving on, <laughs> right? I love it. I love that. Oh, man. Kate, how can my, um, so I already talked about that. So social media, <laughs> are you on LinkedIn? Are you on Instagram? I'm on all You're the on Twitter at Kate Ekman and let's continue the conversation over there. Love it. Kate, thank you so much for being a guest on the Shark Effect podcast. I appreciate you. You're the best. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Shark Effect podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback for us, you can reach me directly at thesharkeffect.com. Thanks for listening. It's here, finally. My book, The Ultimate Playbook for High Achievement. You can get it on Amazon in the uh, paper paperback version, or you can get it on Kindle. And who this book is an in, intentionally created for is for those who are looking tra to transition, what, whether you was an athlete or an executive or a successful entrepreneur or whatever. If you're looking to transition into something different, this book can help you. I break it down. I lay down the foundation of who you want to be. I have a chapter in there that breaks down and boils down leadership, which is influence. And you got to understand these 10 influencers that can help you 
with decision making that can help you with influencing others and how are you influenced. I have chapters in there that really breaks down my system of assignment, alignment, and adjustment. Um, recognizing the power of your environments is a chapter. Developing your own procedures, creating relationship roadmaps, using adversity to your advantage, right? Because we all go through tough times, but how do you flip it? How do you use it to power you, okay? And then developing your own standards. So these are things that can help anybody, not just, not just athletes. Now, there's some stories in there, you know, that covers topics that, that resonate with athletes. But I think overall, this book can help um, anyone who is looking to transition into becoming successful in something new, something different. Okay, so make sure check it out. Amazon, the ultimate playbook for high achievement.